0: If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Timothy chapter 2 um, this morning. Uh, We're going to be, we're still in our series going through 2 Timothy. Uh, So 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 8 to 13 this morning. Uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. As you're opening up, I want to read these verses to you uh, really quickly. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may attain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Let us pray. Father God, we are thankful for today. We're thankful for all that you are, all that you do. Thank you for your your word. and Father, I thank you for this time that we have today to worship you, to praise you, to honor you, to get into your word. And Jesus, I pray that you'd meet us where we are today. And the Holy Spirit, that you would work within us and through us. That you would strengthen us. Help us to get back in focus. We pray that you would move and work this morning. The Holy Spirit, that you'd use me for your kingdom and for your glory, and that you'd set all our hearts and our minds in and upon you, Jesus. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. It's really good to see all of you this morning. Uh, you got to hang in there. Spring is almost here. I know the last you know 30 hours have been a little cold, uh, but spring will be here before you know it. Uh, and We're going to jump right into it. I, I have a question for you. How many of you remember when you needed to use film for a camera, right? If you raised your hand, you're old, okay? Uh, just throw that out there to you. I just wanted to remind you that. But we, we remember those days, you had to use the film for your camera, right? And the worst part is when you did that, growing up, you take a picture, right? And then what would you have to do? You'd have to turn the dial, right? Some of you, you may have to go back before that. If you have to do that, you're really old, because I don't even remember that. So you had to turn the dial to go to the next picture, and then you had to lift the camera up, then you had to look through this little tiny hole, and then you're trying to take a picture. And you never knew how the picture was going to look until you got it developed, right? Because you didn't know if you cut somebody's head off. All the pictures of me growing up, I'm headless, all right? Uh, Somehow my mom got my brother in the picture fully, and he's taller than I am, but me never had a head, right? So somebody doesn't have a head, they don't have a foot right? It's half of their body. It's not in focus. It's blurry. It's brown. There's light stuff all over the place. You had no idea how the photo was going to look until you went and had it developed. Now, fast forward all these years to 2023. And what do we have now, right? We have cameras, right? On our phones, right? And so what I can do is I I could just simply go like that, right? And I just took all your picture, right? I took your picture. right? I can zoom in on you, so if you're sleeping, I now know and I have proof, right? But I took your picture, and I could easily tell how the picture looked, right? I can zoom in, do all these sorts of things, right? But guess what still happens? Even with the advancement in phones and cameras, you can still take a picture on a camera on your phone, and it'll look like this. You know what that is? I don't know what it is, and I took it, right? This is a photo. I actually, I deleted it about two weeks ago, so I had to go back in and, and recover it. But that is the photo that's on my phone. Like, the phone, I just took a picture with all of you. That, like, and so, I don't know, I know where it is. It's, it's in my house, because I could tell by the floors. So when you have hardwood floors, you could always tell that it's hardwood floors. But I don't know what it is. You're trying to figure it out. You probably know what it is. You probably remember it. Noah probably knows what it is, too. Right? And the funny part is somebody is standing right here too. Right, I don't know. That's how the picture turned out. It's all blurry. It's out of focus. I have no idea what is going on. Right, And that's what happens. Because everything is out of focus. It's blurry. You lose the image. You lose the picture. And you don't have a handle on it. You've all taken a picture that has turned out like that. Well, this morning, Paul starts off with the word, Remember to Timothy and to you this morning. And out of that, from that, I see Paul trying to get Timothy to focus in on three things. So that Timothy could be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. As you know, Paul is trying to get Timothy out of this downtime. This struggle, if you would, that that Timothy has been going through. And Paul's been telling him, Timothy, you need to do this, that and everything else in order to get out of this season in your life. And this morning, I see Paul trying to get Timothy dialed back in and focused. Hence why I showed you an out-of-focus picture. Because I think Timothy is out of focus. And I think Paul is trying to get him back in focus. And here's why. A lack of focus brings struggles, not strength. You need to understand that. A lack of focus brings struggles, not strength. And so we're going to unpack this morning three things. A focused Savior, a focused purpose, and a focused future. And hopefully in that, God will speak to you, maybe show you if you're out of focus and help you get back in the focus so that you can have strength and not struggles. And so where we have to start this morning, we get that horrible picture off the screen. A focused Savior, verses 8 to 9. Paul says this, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descendant from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Now last week, Paul was telling Timothy to be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. And remember that. You need to get this. Just because we stop on a Sunday and pick it up next Sunday does not mean the thought of the scriptures changed. And so last Sunday when we stopped, Paul didn't stop. His thought, his mentality, his emotion still is coming into this week's scripture that we're in. And so last week, Paul was telling Timothy, Timothy, don't forget that as a Christ follower, Timothy, you are a steward of God's word and you need to teach it to others. But Timothy, not only are you a steward, you have to remember that you are a soldier and you need to be a good soldier who endures hardships, that... uh, does not get involved in civilian affairs that keeps you from the task at hand. And not only that, Timothy, you need to please your commanding officer who is Jesus. But Timothy, not only are you a steward and a soldier, you're an athlete. And because you're an athlete, you don't get to follow Jesus the way that you want to follow Jesus. There's rules that you have to follow. You don't get to do it your way. And he goes, Timothy, not only are you a steward and a soldier and an athlete, but Timothy, you're also a farmer. You need to be a hard-working farmer. And I told you that that is Paul reminding Timothy of who he is and in that reminding us who we are in Christ, that those things need to be in our lives. And in all those things, Paul told Timothy last week, is that you need to persevere. You need to persevere. You need to keep going one step at a time. That in all those hardships and all those difficulties, you need to keep moving forward. And to do that, you need to be strong. To be strong in the Lord. Not in your strength, in your power, or your wisdom, or anything of you, Paul tells Timothy. But you need to be strong in the Lord. And on top of that, Timothy, not just be strong in the Lord, but be strong in the grace that is Christ Jesus. Be strong, persevere, keep going. And I told you last week, that's what we all need to do. We need to persevere, we need to keep going by the grace of Christ Jesus, to be strong in the Lord and not of ourselves. But let's be honest. That's incredibly hard to do, isn't it? It is really hard to be strong. It is really hard to keep moving on. It is really hard to persevere. And maybe last week you left going, yeah, Pastor, I hear you. I would love to persevere. I would love to be strong in the Lord and keep going on. But it's a struggle. It's hard. And you know what? I agree with you. I fully agree with you. It is hard. It is difficult. It's why we call them hardships and difficulties and not tea time. Imagine what your life would be like if all your hardships and your difficulties were like sitting there having a cup of tea. Would your life be a lot different? Yeah. Right? Right? It's hard for a whole host of reasons. We struggle to keep going. We struggle to persevere. And one of the reasons I think it's such a struggle for us to persevere is one word overwhelm. We get overwhelmed by all the stuff. You take the good stuff, you take the bad stuff, you take all the stuff in between, and what happens? You get overwhelmed. You take everything that's going on in your life, everything going on in the life of your family, everything going on in the life of your friends, everything that's going on in the life of your job, everything that's going on in the life of your neighbors, everything that's going on in the life of the world, you know, a balloon floating over the United States and all this stuff. You take all this stuff together, you put it together and guess what, you go, oh my word. I am overwhelmed. And for some of you, if you're like me, overwhelm causes you to do absolutely nothing. Some of you are like that. You'll get so overwhelmed, you will do nothing, very much like me. I think Timothy might be dealing with overwhelm. The more I study through this book and the more I think about Timothy, I think Timothy was stressed out and overwhelmed with everything that was going on in his life and in the culture. All the things that we have talked about— the struggles that were going on from within the church, within the church body. All the struggles and the pressure that were going on outside of the church body to persecutions. Remember, Christians were being eaten alive at this time. Christians were being lit on fire to be streetlights at this time. Only because they believed in Jesus. Maybe even personal issues that Timothy was struggling with. He had all these things going on. Not to mention, he was pastoring numbers of churches. And I'll tell you from experience, it is really hard to oversee numbers of churches. There's a stress to it. It's a weight to it. And I look at Timothy, and I think he had overwhelm. I think he was overwhelmed with everything. Do you ever feel overwhelmed in life? You may not like to admit it, but it happens more than we think. And you know what overwhelm causes in our life? It causes a lot of things, to be honest with you. But one of the things that overwhelm does in in your life is this. It causes you to lose focus. Did you know that? Overwhelm causes you to lose focus. What happens when you're overwhelmed? You find yourself on YouTube watching a video that has nothing to do with what you need to get done. What happens when you're overwhelmed? You mindlessly watch TV that has nothing to do with the things that you need to get done. Overwhelm causes us to lose our focus because there's so much going on. We don't, and for some reason, we can't focus in on one or two things. And when we lose our focus, guess what happens? We get angry Because we can't focus in on something and get it done, which adds to the overwhelm, which gets us even angrier, which adds to the overwhelm, which gets us even angrier. And when we're angry, we lose our focus, and it's all a vicious cycle. All a vicious cycle. And in all of this, we lose focus, and when we lose focus, we start to struggle instead of be strengthened. Did you realize that? How many of you have ever thought, I'm overwhelmed, I don't have any focus, I feel so strong right now? If that's you, let me know your secrets. Because when overwhelm hits me, I go, I'm overwhelmed. I don't have focus. Guess what? I'm struggling. I'm not strong in the the Lord. I think Timothy is there. And I see Paul reminding Timothy of three things. Trying to get him to focus back on these three things. And the first one is the most important, and that's Jesus. Paul says to Timothy right there in the the beginning, he goes, remember. Remember. First word, verse 8, remember. Well, Timothy is a pastor. Why would Paul be telling Timothy, who is a pastor, to remember Jesus? Do pastors forget Jesus? No, some pastors don't know Jesus. But as a pastor, you shouldn't forget Jesus. And so Paul's not saying, Timothy, you've forgotten completely about Jesus. What Paul is saying there by that word remember is more so along these lines. Keep Jesus at the forefront of your mind. Keep Jesus as the center of everything. Timothy didn't completely forget about Christ. Paul says reminding him to keep Jesus at the forefront. You need to keep Jesus at the center of everything. Because when you get overwhelmed, you lose focus on Jesus. We lose sight of Christ. Christ. Jesus is no longer at the forefront of our lives. He's no longer at the center of our, of our lives. Jesus is out of focus. He's out of sight. And this out of focus brings a struggle because, you know what? Work is going crazy. So we're focused on work instead of Jesus. The dog ran away. So we're focused on finding the dog, not on Jesus. The kids need to eat every 15 minutes, so we're focused on that instead of on Jesus. Work is piling up, so what do we do? We focus in on what we need to do now or next, and we don't focus in on Jesus. And Jesus becomes blurry to us in light of everything else that distorts the picture of Jesus. And so Paul goes, Timothy, remember Jesus. Keep Jesus at the forefront of everything. You know, the overdue report at work, keep Jesus in the forefront of your mind in light of that. The paper that is laid at school, keep Jesus in in the center of that paper. The job issues, the house looking like a bomb went off, keep Jesus at the forefront in those situations. Focus in on Jesus in those situations. And as you do, you find strength in him because you're focused on Christ, not the work issue, not the house being disgusting, not the kids needing this and that. You're focused in on Jesus. And notice what Paul says here. Because you need to remember Jesus. Because you cannot let overwhelm take Jesus out of your focus in your life. He goes, you need to remember Jesus. Now verse 8 is one message, and so I'm not giving you the one message today. Paul goes, Jesus is a descendant of David. Yeah? And what? What do you want me to do with that, Paul? Really? Like, why, why do you need to tell me that he's a descendant of David? Now, here's the thing about Paul in his writing. He doesn't really often tell us in all his writings that Jesus is a descendant of David. He does it here, which I love. And what Paul does is he reminds Timothy that Jesus is a descendant of David. In that, that Jesus is 100% man. He's 100% man. That Jesus is from the family line, the human line of David. So what does the humanity of Jesus mean? Well, how much time do you have today? There's a lot in there. But here's what I want you to grab this morning. It means that Jesus can relate to you. Jesus can relate to you. Jesus lived life. Jesus went through stuff. Do you think Jesus felt overwhelmed when he was thinking of the cross? Yeah, the Garden of Gethsemane literally says, Dad, can you take this cup from me? It's like, is there another way? He literally starts to sweat blood. You think there's overwhelm in there that he feels? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus felt overwhelmed when he had thousands of people following him just because they wanted him to feed them. I have four kids, right? I feel overwhelmed when I have to get them lunch, and it's only four. Imagine Jesus looking out going, eh, 25,000 people. They all want me to feed them in the middle of a desert. You think there's overwhelm in there that Jesus feels? Yes, absolutely. Jesus is 100% man, which means he can relate to you and your struggles and your overwhelm. We're told in Hebrews that we have a high priest who can sympathize with us. But Paul also tells us to remember and focus it on the fact that Jesus is the Christ. Remember, Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's a title. Well, what does the word Christ mean? It means Messiah. That Jesus is the Messiah. That Jesus is God in the flesh. And so Paul reminds Timothy that yes, Jesus is 100% man, Timothy. But Jesus is also 100% God because he is the Messiah who has stepped into his creation. And there's a lot into Jesus being God. But for us this morning, what I want you to grab is this. Since Jesus is God, the only God, it means he's the only one that can do anything with your life or for your life or in your life. So get the picture. Jesus can relate to you, relate with you. And he's the only person that can do anything about the situation because he's God. Because he's God. What an amazing thing to look out and look at all our overwhelm going, I feel like it keeps being run over by a Mack truck. And we go to the scripture and he goes, Jesus can relate to me. And he's God and he can do something about it. Why don't we focus in on that? Paul goes, Timothy, I know your life is crazy right now. Jesus can relate and he's the only one that could do anything about it. Focus in on him. Remember him. But it's not just that Jesus is man and God that Paul wants us to remember. He also wants us to remember that Jesus is Jesus. What do you mean by that? Well, you remember what the name Jesus means? Talked about it in December. I know December feels like eight months ago, at least for me. Jesus, the name Jesus means the Lord saves Paul goes Timothy. Focus in on Jesus. Who is 100% man. 100% God. But who is also your Savior. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is the only one that can save us from sin. He's the only one that can save us from the wrath of God because of our sin. It is Jesus... And the reason that we know that Jesus is the only Savior is as Paul tells Timothy there, he raised from the dead, that Jesus is alive. You see, all this stuff just in like 10 words that Paul utters to Timothy, he goes, he raised from the dead. Jesus is alive. He's alive. Let me ask you something. In your overwhelm, in your out of focus life and mentality and thoughts and emotions, how often do you focus in on the fact that Jesus is alive? I'm a, I've been doing this long enough to know that we don't do it as much as we think we do. And I'm not throwing guilt, I'm the same way. See, in your overwhelm, we cannot lose focus on the fact that Jesus is alive. See, We don't celebrate a dead man. We don't worship a dead man. We don't love and listen to, follow, or have our faith and our trust in a man who is dead. We celebrate, we worship, we listen to, we follow. We have our faith and our hope and our trust in a man who was dead, but who is now alive because he is risen from the dead. We celebrate him who is alive. That is who we love. That is who we trust and follow. In this, following through hardships come, as Paul tells us, though. Because notice what Paul tells us. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descendant from David. He goes, this is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Paul goes, because I'm following Jesus, because I'm loving Jesus, doing what Jesus wants me to do, he goes, I'm chained like a criminal. Remember, Paul is writing this on death row. These are his last recorded words. He will headed, will be beheaded by an Emperor Nero very soon. He's on death row. He goes, I'm suffering for Jesus. He goes, you know what, though? God's word is not chained. God's word is never going to be held down or stopped. People have tried to stop and suppress God's word for hundreds of years and all that has come from that is more people knowing and loving Jesus because God's word is living and active. You see, we lose focus in and upon Jesus and his word and then we struggle. We lose strength. We lose our weight. We allow temptation and overwhelm and fear and doubt to come rushing in and it's hard to keep going. It's hard to keep going because we have lost sight of, we have lost focus. That Jesus is man, God, Savior, who died and rose from the grave. And his word is enduring and his word changes lives. If you hear only one thing today, hear this. Focus in on the person, and the work of Jesus and absolutely every single thing that you are doing and going through in life. And allow Him to strengthen you through Him. Because when you focus in on Christ, He will strengthen you. So you don't struggle. But that's not the whole sermon. Paul goes on to say this. It's not just a focused Savior. It's a focused purpose. And this is verse 10. We're going to read this in a a, a moment. It's not just that we struggle when we lose focus of our Savior. But we lose focus... But we also struggle in the midst of hardship and overwhelm when we have an unfocused purpose. Think of this: things are are are, are crazy, all around. Right. You have stress, you have worry. I know you all talk to me. Bills are due. The heat went up again, right? Heat went up again. We got this, we got, you know, what the church got this week, and maybe you got, too, that, that the electric company is, is applying to raise rates 9%. Hey, only 9%, right? Only 9%, right? You know, you got all these things going on, right? You know, and the, kid, and the, the question then becomes, like, I was at the store yesterday with Bethany, and I looked at the eggs, and I'm like, well, do I sell Bethany to the store so I can take home eggs? Like, you know, we have all these things going on, and overwhelm starts to settle in. And in that, we start to struggle with, what am I to do? Have you ever uttered those words? What do I do? Especially when overwhelm comes into life. Because overwhelm, it causes us to doubt things. And we, what what do I do? I I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do. What, What am I supposed to do? And they said, for some of you, like me, overwhelm causes you not to do anything. Because you're not sure what to do. So where do we start? Well, at this point, our, our, our purpose is out of focus. See, overwhelm takes away our purpose. We lose sight of it. We don't see it. We don't know it. It's all fuzzy. And so Paul goes, remember, focus in on your purpose And to some degree, for all of us, our purpose is different. But to the same degree, we all have the same purpose. Look at what Paul says there, and I don't have it on the screen just yet for a moment. But if you are to look in verse 10, Paul says, Therefore, in light of, because of, because of the gospel, because of who Jesus is, in light of who Jesus is, Paul goes, I endure everything. Now stop there. Paul goes, in light of Jesus and who he is, I endure everything. So here's my question. What is everything? Thank you, Bob, for answering. Everything is everything. You got that, right? Everything is everything. Paul goes, I endure everything. So what did Paul endure? I want to say something, and I don't want you to think I'm minimizing anything that you, you have or will ever go through. That's not my aim in saying this. But I will tell you that Paul went through things that you and I never will. He went through hardships for Jesus that you and I will never go through. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 25, we read this, and this is not the whole list, just so you know. Paul goes... I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, because, yes, Paul's in prison when he's writing 2 Timothy, but it's not his first time in jail. Because I've been flogged more severely. You know what flogging is, right? With the whips and everything, just tear your body apart. Because I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. So that's 39 lashes. Okay? Okay. He received that five times. How do you think his body looked? Three times I was beaten with rods. Have you been ever hit with a stick? Imagine getting beaten by that. Paul Paul goes, "I, I did that, right? Three times. He goes, once I was stoned. Now I have to clarify that. That has nothing to do with drugs. I've explained this to you before. This is literally where they stand you there and they throw huge stones at you to kill you. This happened to Paul. They took him outside the city, left him for dead because they thought he was dead. And I told you this earlier in this book. What did Paul do afterwards? He gets up and he goes back in the same city to tell them about Jesus again after they just try to kill him with stones. And then Paul goes, three times I was shipwrecked. After one shipwreck, I'm good. Right? It's like, yeah, I was in a plane crash, but I got in the plane, the next plane to go home. Like, no. He goes, three times I was shipwrecked. Three times. One of those times, I spent a night and a day in the open sea. How many of you want to float in the open sea for about 18 hours? Anybody? No, I don't even want to float in my pool for 18 hours, let alone an open sea. And Paul goes, I'm enduring all of this. And this isn't the whole list that Paul gives here. He goes, I endure all of this. I'm on death row. Why? Why does Paul endure all of this? We would be right and we would think, he goes, I endure all of this for Jesus. He goes, I'm doing all of this for Jesus. And you know what? You would be right on that. That Paul went through all of this for Jesus. You'd be right on that, but that's not what Paul tells us. We'll go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. Paul says, Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal joy. Paul goes, I endure all of this for the elect. He doesn't say Jesus, does he? Now we know from his other writings that he does it for Jesus. But Paul tells us right here, he goes, I endure all of this for the elect. He goes, I'm sitting on death row right now for the elect. Well, who are the elect? I don't have time to fully unpack that word, but I'll say this this morning. The elect are those that will come to faith in Jesus, that God knows who they are. So the elect are people that at this point in time do not know Jesus is Lord and Savior, but they will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior sometime down the road. They are God's people that have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, who believe in Jesus and follow him. Paul goes, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. So once again, Paul, why? Why endure all of that for these people? Well, notice what he says. For the sake of the elect, that they too, that they too... It's very similar to the phrase, so that. Paul goes, I'm enduring for the sake of the lost, so that they may obtain the salvation that is theirs in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is this, I endure everything so people can come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. He goes, I endure everything so that they may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus. He goes, I endure so that the lost would be found. He goes, I endure everything so that the lost sheep would be found by the shepherd. He goes, I endure everything so that those that are far from God will be brought near to God. I endure everything so that those that are in their sin, dead in their sin, may find forgiveness of sin and life in Jesus Christ. I endure everything, Paul says, so that God would use me to bring his gospel to people that do not know him so that they may be saved by Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? Because that's what Paul says. He goes, I endure everything so that people would be saved from their sin. Now, Paul is not saying that he saves them. Because Paul doesn't save people. I don't save people. None of us can save anyone. Only God can. What Paul is talking about here is this, that God uses me to be an instrument in His hand to bring the lost to Him. And the same thing is said for you and I, that God wants to use you as an instrument in His hand to bring the lost to Him. That the dead in their sins and their trespasses would find life and forgiveness in Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 10. He says, how then? Can they call on the name, call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And that word preaching doesn't mean this right here. It just means a proclamation, a declaration, is telling somebody something. How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In the end, Paul is saying pretty much this, Somebody is not going to put their faith in Jesus Christ because they don't hear about Jesus Christ. And so if we don't go and tell people about the saving work of Jesus Christ in their life for them, for their sin, because they don't hear it, then they can't believe in Jesus because they don't hear the gospel. And so Paul goes, we got to go. we got to tell people about Jesus so that they can hear the gospel and be saved. Ready? Your purpose... If you are a Christian, is this? You are to be an instrument in the hand of God to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's your purpose. It will get worked out differently in all of our lives, but your purpose is to live, work, and speak in such a way that you're sharing the gospel with others so that they could be saved by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's your purpose. And when our purpose is out of focus, we get overwhelmed running from here and there trying to do the one million things that we try to do. And in between, we get nothing done except add stress to our days. But as we focus in on our purpose and go, I have all this stuff, what am I to do? You're to tell people about Jesus. And knowing your purpose enables you to do and start doing what you need to do. And it helps you to focus in on where you need to be and what you need to be doing with your life. You don't have to worry about that because that keeps you from your purpose. You don't have to worry about this over there because it keeps you from your purpose. When you're focused in on your purpose, knowing God wants me to tell people about him, then you know what you need to be doing. And you're strengthened because you're not lost. Going, what do I do? God, what do I do? And God goes, tell people about me. Share the gospel. That's your purpose. You now have a purpose. And you know what purpose does? It strengthens. It strengthens. But there's one more thing that Paul reminds Timothy of. And you. And that's a focused future. Verses eleven, thirteen. Paul tells Timothy this. Here's a trustworthy saying, because if we died with him, we will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. We come to this little poem, if you would. A lot of scholars, smarter than I am, believe that verses 11, well, yeah, 11 to 13 is actually a very early song that was sung in the church. I wasn't there, so I can't tell you. feels like it might be. But it tells us of our future with Jesus. When was the last time you were focused in on your future with Jesus? In the midst of your overwhelm, have you ever focused in on heaven with Jesus? We don't do that all that much, do we? We don't focus in on the future time that we're going to spend with Jesus. And because we don't have that in focus, everything in the present throws us for a loop. It really gets at us the time. Paul reminds Timothy and you this morning that, hey, if you die with Jesus, you will live with him. Now, there's different thoughts about what Paul means by this death. One one view is that Paul is talking about if you're killed for your faith because of everything going on in the culture at the time he goes if you're martyred if you're killed for your faith you're going to live with Jesus and you know what, that's right if you're killed for your faith you will live for Jesus not because you're killed for your faith because that puts salvation on something you did you're killed for your faith you live with Jesus because your faith is in Jesus and he's already saved you And so the death there, I think, leans more to that we're spiritually dead in Christ. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus, and you believe Jesus and you are forgiven of your sins, the Bible tells us that you're spiritually dead with him, that you're spiritually crucified on the cross, that your sins were nailed to the cross, that you're dead. And because of that, as Paul tells in Corinthians, that the old is gone, the new has come. That the old creation is God. The sinful man is gone and dead. And you're raised to a newness of life in Christ. You're raised with Christ, spiritually speaking. That's why baptism is an amazing picture. That's what it pictures. That you're dead in Christ. That you're going under the water and you're buried with Christ. Dead with Christ. And you rise out of the water to a newness of life. That spiritually speaking, we're dead in Christ. Sin has no power over us. And we've risen to a newness of life in Jesus Christ. And you know what that means? If you're in Christ, you spiritually already died and rose. You're going to live with Jesus forever in heaven because of him. Because of him. Why don't we focus in on that? Oh, balloon in the sky. Ah! Stock market crumbling. Ah! Ah! Jobless reports going up. Health isn't good. This is, guess what? It's all temporary. All of every, and I don't say it to minimize it at all. It's all temporary. And we allowed all to overwhelm us instead of going, this is only for the next 60 years. And then I'm spending eternity with Jesus. How about I focus in on that and be strengthened by that? But Paul doesn't stop there. He goes, not only you, you'll live with him, he goes, but if you endure, you will reign with him. Now that word endure, what it's talking about is this, that if you keep walking with Jesus, there's going to be seasons in your life where you struggle and maybe you backslide, but you keep walking with Jesus. You don't denounce him, but you keep walking with Christ, you endure and show everybody that the salvation that you have in Christ is true and real because you've kept walking with Jesus. Paul goes, Timothy, if you endure, you're going to reign with Him. Notice he doesn't say live. He says reign. What does it mean to reign? Means to sit on like a throne or be in like some position of authority, doesn't it? I can't tell you what this means the Bible doesn't fully give us the picture. But if you're in Christ, you'll not just live with Jesus. You will reign with Jesus. For eternity. For eternity. Like, think about that. But then he goes on to say, well, if you disown him, or deny him, They'll deny you. And what that is talking about is not the person who denies Jesus or disowns Jesus and then repents and comes back to Jesus. Because that's not what happened to Peter. What happened with Peter? Peter denied Jesus. Right? Denied Jesus three times. Did Jesus cast Peter away into the side and go, I don't know you, away from me. I don't know you. He doesn't do that. He, Peter repents of his sin comes back to Jesus, Jesus welcomes him in, and Peter's living and reigning with Jesus right now. So that disown or deny, depending on the translation, it's not talking about those seasons, it's just the hardship like Peter had. It's talking about, you know what, I'm just done with Jesus. I'm going to walk away from Jesus. I'm going to deny Jesus. I'm going to renounce Jesus. And by doing that, it shows that you're never in Christ to begin with. And so Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Matthew chapter 7. People are going to go, Lord, Lord, and Jesus go, I don't know you. You denied me. You walked away from me. You wouldn't put your faith in me. So I don't know you. But then he goes on to say, but if we are faithless, he will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. Now there's two schools of thoughts on that. But I'm out of time. The one is this. If you're faithless, meaning if you have those struggles and those doubts where you don't have the faith all the time, but you're trying to endure with Jesus, God is going to remain faithful to you. When you struggle and you fall and you sin and you come back to Jesus, He's not going to kick you away. He's going to be faithful to you and the promises that He has made to you. But the other school of thought is this. If you don't have a faith in Jesus Christ, If you don't have a right faith, a saving faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus is still going to be faithful to his word where he says he is going to punish those that do not put their faith and their trust in him because you're faithless. He's going to punish you. Overwhelm causes us to lose focus in our lives. Some of you are overwhelmed. Some of you have lost focus on things in your life. And you don't know what to do. And you're struggling. Paul says, focus in on your Savior. Focus in on your purpose. Focus in on your future with your Savior. And allow Him to strengthen you in and through that. Instead of trying to do it on your own. There's only one way to get out of focus. And that's to get focused. Focus in on Jesus, your purpose, and your future. And as you do that, you'll be strong in the Lord. And will help you to keep going. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you are and that all that you do. Father, we give this day to you. We ask that you'd help us to focus in on you, our purpose, and our future with you, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you'd move, that you would help us to zoom in on you. Help us to rejoice in you, not allow overwhelm to suffocate us. We give this to you, Jesus. We ask this all in your name. Amen.